everybody. And uh, a little over three years ago, God, of my understanding, supplied uh, me with something that I very badly needed in this program. I was reminded as I was listening to the speakers uh, earlier today that the key thing in my recovery that I needed was I needed other people in my life, people who could uh, help me to get through some of these problems um, that I had created, some of the wreckage that had occurred in my life. And the only way I could do that would be with people that had been through similar situations and circumstances related to drug addiction and alcoholism. And so uh, the God of my understanding uh, supplied me with a fellow who's going to speak to you next. I think you'll enjoy it. And all I can say is that uh, it's nice to have such a wonderful friend in my life, Carlos from Miami. I am Carlos. I'm an alcoholic and an addict. Uh, you guys are only going to have to bear with me for 15 minutes, hopefully. Uh, it's unbelievable. They told me about, he, my sponsor told me about a year ago that I was going to have to do this. Uh, not because I'm an expert, just because he told me I had to. And it's been one year of worrying for only 15 minutes that I'm going to have to be standing here. I don't know if you can understand that, but... Anyway, I'm all sweaty, it's not because I'm that nervous, I just came from a tennis court just to show you how, how much of an addict I am, you know, to qualify. Now I've been there until about 20 minutes ago, I took a fast shower, run here, you know, here I am ready for you. I don't know if I am ready. Are you ready for me? Anyway, the, I, I have some cards here with the seven-step prayer and the third-step prayer on both sides that we've been uh, distributing. If you don't have one and you want to have one, I have a bunch here up front. Um, supposed to talk about the seven steps. Um, step seven says, humbly ask him to remove our or my shortcomings. In my case, when I say, when I read the step, I say, humbly ask him to remove my shortcomings. That's what, what it is for me. Um, there is a principle behind this step, and the principle is uh, humility. Uh, I guess we, we should talk about humility, what humility is. And uh, to me, humility, I heard sometime, you know, while I was in treatment, that to be humble means to, have, to be able to have an honest assessment of myself. And humility would be to, be to have an honest assessment of myself combined with the reliance on a higher power or a power greater than, my, than myself other than self-reliance. Uh, I don't know what, what it means to you. I tried to read a definitions of humility on the Webster Dictionary. I really stink. I could not bring that up here, so I have to bring up what I heard on these rooms because it is the most appropriate assessment to me. Uh, basically, if we go by what the big book says about how to do the seven steps. It's on page 76, and it's really very simple. If you, ha if you have done properly the first six steps, on the second paragraph of, of page 76, it says, when ready, when ready, we say something like this. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad, 
I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out, of, out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. It's that simple. That's the way it is, at least in the big book for me. Um, it's not that simple to just do this step. It has my awareness of what my character defects and what I'm willing to do today is completely different than what it was for me yesterday or last week or the month before. So this is an ongoing thing. Uh, and I had to say this prayer many, many times. It's, in essence, it's the same thing, or the content of the seven-step prayer is the same content as on the third-step prayer, which is on the reverse of the card that, I, that we just distributed and handled you. What else can we talk about, or can we say about uh, humility, which is the principle behind the step seven? Basically, all the information that I gathered is from the 12 and 12, a book from Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, it says, and it is true for me, that it is a basic ingredient that is needed not only for sobriety, but also for, uh, for achievement of true happiness. Um, it doesn't come easy, especially for, for me or for us alcoholics and addicts. It's only by repeated humiliations, you know, and defeats and ego-deflating blocks that our self-sufficiency gets crushed to the point that we are able to humbly admit our powerlessness over alcohol, drugs, and addiction. Uh, I, have to, I have to read, basically, you know, from the book and some of the notes that I made because with, I cannot find my own words to describe this, and this is supposed to be, you know, like a didactic seven-step and not my story. But however, the only thing that I have to to relate to you is my experience on it. I made a note here that it was important for me to read to you two paragraphs, one on the page 74 and another one on page 72 of the 12 and 12. So let me refer to that. It's only after really being crushed and hitting bottom that I was able to be humble enough to admit that I was that I was powerless. Uh, I was powerless over drugs. I was powerless over alcohol. I was actually power powerless over my addiction, and that was only the first or the initial uh, humble admission that I had to do. After doing that, I, you know, after after a time of being clean, I became very painfully aware of other things that I had to humbly admit instead of just trying to fight. Uh, to in order to be able to achieve some of the serenity that I was able to achieve or the relief from admitting my powerlessness over alcohol, I had to admit my also my my character defects or my faults, my, how is it referred, when it talks about, yeah, the defect of characters, my difficulties, as it says on the third step prayer. I thought that my difficulties were not my character defects. I thought all my life that my difficulties were my wife, my children, my boss, my job, 
you know, the car that I was driving. It took me over a year to understand that my difficulties was not all that, you know, it was all inside. So all these shortcomings that we, or at least I, became painfully aware of uh, after this uh, first uh, month or first time, you know, first, first month, year, depends on each person. Uh, I became aware of all these other shortcomings and character defects that probably made a problem drinker or a drug addict of me to start with. And I found that I had to deal with all these things, if not the pain would have been unbearable. And the only way to deal with this is with a 12-step program. I'm not sure that all this sweat is from the tennis court anymore, I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay, going back to those paragraphs that I wanted to read, it's, it says that for just so, so long as we were convinced that we could live exclusively by our individual strength and intelligence, for just that long was a working faith in a higher power impossible. This was true even when we believed that God existed. We could actually have earnest religious beliefs which remained barren because we were still trying to play God ourselves. As long as we placed self-reliance first, a genuine reliance upon a higher power was out of the question, and that basic ingredient of all humility, a desire to seek and do God's will, was missing. And that was me, and that has been me for a long time into sobriety too. It was not just uh, drugs and alcohol. Uh, it was not just the chemicals, and I had to achieve, you know, uh, that the uh, seeking a God, God or higher powers will to be able to acquire any kind of humility. As long as I was relying on myself, I was being still self-centered, which has been the main uh, character defect or the main difficulty that I've had throughout my life is being so self-centered. It's self-centered fear that's always uh, been the motive and the motivation behind all my everything. I made a note also to read this other paragraph here. I don't know why I wanted to read this paragraph, but when I read them initially, it seemed a good idea to me. Uh, so I'm going to read them. <laughs> but we, we need, when we have taken a square look at some of these defects, have discussed them with another, and have become willing to have them removed, our thinking about humility commences to have a wider meaning. By this time, in all probability, we have gained some measure of release from our more devastating handicaps. We enjoy moments in which there is something like real peace of mind. To those of us who have hitherto known only excitement, depression, or anxiety, in other words, to all of us, this newfound peace is priceless gift. Something new indeed has been added where humility had formerly stood for a forced feeding on humble pie, it now begins to mean the nourishing ingredient which can give us serenity. And that's what I've been looking for all my life. You know, that's 
what I look or I seek through drugs and through alcohol or through sex, manipulation, power, everything, you know, I seek to that serenity. You know, when it, when it says, uh, if you want it, you know, if you want what we have, that's what I was seeking for. The chief activator of our defects has been self-centered fear. Primarily fear that we would lose something we already possessed or would fail to get something we demanded. Living upon a basis of unsatisfied demands, we were in a state of continual disturbance and frustration. Therefore, no peace was to be had unless we could find a means of reducing these demands. The difference between a demand and a simple request is plain to anyone. The seventh step is where we make the change in our attitude to permit us, which permits us, with humility as our guide, to move out from ourselves toward others and towards God. The whole emphasis on step seven is on humility. It is really saying to us that we now ought to be willing to try humility in seeking the removal of our other shortcomings, just as we did when we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol and came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. If that degree of humility could enable us to find the grace by which such a deadly obsession could be banished, then there must be hope of the same result respecting any other problem that we could possibly have. And this is part of the promises. This is one more promise that I read on AA literature that I have seen uh, come to work on me, and I've seen it gone away. You know, go away because uh, that's you know that's the way I am. As soon as things start working, for, start working for me, I stop working for them. I believe that I achieve things. I don't believe sometimes you know that I have to keep working for them. And it's been a getting better and feeling better by working all these steps and then stop doing what I had to be doing for a while until I stopped feeling that good and then going back to working those steps. I'm very glad to be here. I came back from three weeks vacation outside and out of the country and I haven't had a chance to go to meetings for three weeks and I was really withdrawing from all this and I needed to be here surrounded by you people. So thank you for this chance. And now with his story and his experience with the seventh step, I give you Gene M. You know, it really is always to me a, almost an awesome thing to get to come I'm not saying anything worth hearing. Uh. <laughs> uh, it really is almost a, an awesome thing to get to be back with the people that know me best, you know, and to talk about things that are most significant in my life. And in the recovery process, the seventh step is, I think, the focal point that occurred in, in the struggle I've had with recovery. And this is the way it happened for me. I laid the groundwork for step seven, I think, by carefully following the instructions in the big book. 
I'd done things like taking the third step on August the 8th, 1972 with another human being. I'd written an inventory of fear and anger and screwed up relationships. And I'd gone to somebody with this liturgy of sorrow and before I did that, fifth step time, I, I went back to my little room and admitted these things to God and then I admitted them to myself and then I admitted them to another human being. And during this process, I became more and more aware of defects. And I full well knew that in the system of things, that something like an hour after the fifth step, we're supposed to get alone by ourselves and review these first five propositions and address ourselves to steps six and seven. But I was so full of humility after the fifth step that I had to get to a meeting to brag about what I'd done. So I didn't do that. And step six and seven became extremely difficult for me, and I worked hard at it. I took the fifth step in November 1972, and I worked from then until April of 73, really struggling with this sixth and seventh step. I even thought at one time about taking my inventory, which I'd saved, and, and, and going back and doing another fifth step so I'd get alone and be ready to take step six and seven, but, but my inventory didn't seem to mean much. So in April 1973, and this is about nine months after I first got sober, having nothing else to do, and after many times getting down on my knees and say, God, take away these defects, uh, I did that so much I had calluses, and nothing happening, and going to meetings on the seventh step and being told that it occurs in good time. I got out my dictionary and I looked up the word shortcoming. Maybe I didn't know what I needed to know because I had a list of defects, you see, things like anger and fear and gluttony and sloth and, and lust. Well, that, that's not quite true. I had a desire to be lusty. Uh, I had a bad case of the lust bust that ain't gotten no better since I quit drinking. Didn't it? But I had these things that were excesses and that I wanted to be rid of. And I'd get down my knees and take them away, and, and, and they wouldn't go away. So I looked the word shortcoming up in the dictionary because I thought I might be confused, and I didn't know the difference between a shortcoming and a defect. And uh, my dictionary said a shortcoming is a defect, so half my problem was solved. And, and then I looked up the word defect. Now please remember, and this is the way it was in my life, I had a list of what I thought were defects, and I had it written down, this I already did hate and fear and revenge and all these these characteristics that represented me. But the dictionary said that a defect is something lacking that is necessary for completeness. That a defect is an imperfection, it's a void, it's a fault, it's something needed that's necessary for completion. And you know on my little list there wasn't anything there that was missing in me. These were what I was. And at that time I seemed to come to understand what it meant to be spiritually bankrupt, you see. And I got out my inventory again and I went back over to see what was missing. What was lacking in me. What had I sacrificed to, to the disease, alcoholism and drug addiction. What had been ripped from me what was missing, what was deficient. And I was spiritually bankrupt. I didn't have these traits that separate 
humans from animals. And I had no spirit. And no matter how hard I wanted to, I couldn't love and I couldn't forgive and I couldn't care and I couldn't be empathetic. And this is a moment of great revelation to me. I had a 15-year-old daughter and a two-and-a-half-year-old son. And I knew when I was honest with myself that no matter how much pleasure and joy and nurture I got from that girl, I didn't love her. I was bankrupt. I couldn't forgive my wife for all the many things I thought she had done. I was bankrupt. I had no interest in other people. I was bankrupt. I came to know then that the things about me that bothered you were what I was. That the things about me that bothered me was what I wasn't, you see, and I was a patient. I was a patient. So sometime in April that year, and I got down on my knees after going through my inventory and thinking a bit, a new list of defects, a list of things missing that I was aware of. And I really did ask God to take away these shortcomings and those I don't know about. Please make me whole again. Let me be able to become. Let me be able to change, you see. And I believe that's when I could grow spiritually. I believe at that moment that I entered a spiritual kindergarten and I was made whole again. I was no different than before I'd made that plea, except that now I could. Now I could become. And now I could change. Recovery has been a reoccurring series of moments of awareness. Awareness. That moment of awareness when I realized that defects were what I wasn't saved my life, I think, because in 1985 I drank again. Yeah. And I was saved from wondering what in the world was wrong with me. And I could look once again at what's missing, and it was quite obvious what was missing, and I got some people to look with me, and, and I changed. I changed. I do believe that the seventh step is the beginning of spiritual growth within the confines of this beautiful discipline we call the 12 steps. You see? I can't change myself. I keep hearing people talking about changing themselves. But God can make us whole so that we can change. And I think that unless we become as little children, we cannot enter the kingdom of the Spirit that we find in rooms like this. Thank God for the seventh step. Thank God for its simplicity. Thank God for people like you who are not at all reluctant to remind me of my shortcomings, and I appreciate that. Thank God for the instructions within the, the 12 steps. The seventh step is the thing I hang on to with greatest intensity. And when I do, and I do this on a daily basis, I look back over the day to see if I was just honest with afraid, self-centered, or angry. And when I find that I was, I can enjoy that new adventure of looking out to see what I can do next time. What's missing that can be added to me? What's missing? It's a beautiful, beautiful experience. It's a significant, significant part of the spiritual system. Thank God for all of them. 
thank God for all of you. And thank God for the seven staff. Really, very simple. If you have, if you have done properly the first six steps, 
on the second paragraph of, of page 76, it says, when ready, when ready, we say something like this. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you now remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength as I go out, of, out from here to do your bidding. Amen. We have then completed step seven. It's that simple. That's the way it is, at least in the big book for me. Um, it's not that simple to just do this step. It has my awareness of what my character defects and what I'm willing to do today is completely different than what it was for me yesterday or last week or the month before. So this is an ongoing thing. Uh, and I had to say this prayer many, many times. It's, in essence, it's the same thing, or the content of the seven-step prayer is the same content and on the third-step prayer, which is on the reverse of the card that, I, that we just distributed and handled you. What else can we talk about, or can we say about the humility, which is the principle behind the step seven? Basically, all the information that I gathered is from the 12 and 12 a book from Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, it says, and it is true for me, that it is a basic ingredient that is needed not only for sobriety, but also for, uh, for achievement of true happiness. Uh, it doesn't come easy, especially for, for me or for us, alcoholics and addicts. It's only by repeated humiliations, you know, and defeats and ego deflating blows that our self-sufficiency gets crushed to the point that we are able to humbly admit our powerlessness over alcohol, drugs, and addiction. Uh, I have to, I have to read basically, you know, from the book and some of the notes that I made because with, I cannot find my own words to describe this, and this is supposed to be, you know, like a didactic seven-step and not my story. But however, the only thing that I have to to relate to you is my experience on it. I made a note here that it was important for me to read to you two paragraphs, one on the page 74 and another one on page 72 of the 12 and 12. So let me refer to that. Well, it's only after really being crushed and hitting bottom that I was able to be humble enough to admit that I was, that I was powerless. Uh, I was powerless over drugs, I was powerless over alcohol, I was actually power, powerless over my addiction. And that was only the first or the initial uh, humble admission that I had to do. After doing that, I, you know, after, after a time of being clean, I became very painfully aware of other things that I had to humbly admit instead of just trying to fight uh, to, in order to be able to achieve some of the serenity that I was able to achieve or the relief from admitting my powerlessness over alcohol. I had to admit my, also my, my character defects or my faults, my, how is it referred? When it talks about, yeah, the defect of characters my difficulties, 
as it says on the third step prayer. I thought that my difficulties were not my character defects. I thought all my life that my difficulties were my wife, my children, my boss, my job, you know, the car that I was driving. It took me over a year to understand that my difficulties was not all that, you know, it was all inside. So all these shortcomings that we, or at least I, became painfully aware of uh, after the first uh, month or the first time, you know, first month, year, depends on each person. Uh, I became aware of all these other shortcomings and character defects that probably made a problem drinker or a drug addict of me to start with. And I found that I had to deal with all these things. If not, the pain would have been unbearable. And the only way to deal with this is with a 12-step program. I'm not sure that all this sweat is from the tennis court anymore. I'm sorry. Okay, going back to those paragraphs that I wanted to read. It, it says that for just so, so long as we were convinced that we could live exclusively by our individual strength and intelligence, for just that long was a working faith in a higher power impossible. This was true even when we believed that God existed. We could actually have earnest religious beliefs which remained barren because we were still trying to play God ourselves. As long as we placed self-reliance first, a genuine reliance upon a higher power was out of the question. And that basic ingredient of all humility, the desire to seek and do God's will was missing. And that was me, and that has been me for a long time into sobriety too. It was not just the drugs and alcohol. Uh, it was not just the chemicals, and I had to achieve, you know, that uh, seeking a God, God or higher powers will to be able to acquire any kind of humility. As long as I was relying on myself, I was being still self-centered, which has been the main uh, character defect or the main difficulty that I've had throughout my life is being so self-centered. It's self-centered fear that's always uh, been the motive and the motivation behind all my everything. Well, I made a note also to read this other paragraph here. I don't know why I wanted to read this paragraph, but when I read them initially, it seemed a good idea to me. Uh, so I'm going to read them. But we, we, when we have taken a square look at some of these defects, have discussed them with another, and have become willing to have them removed, our thinking about humility commences to have a wider meaning. By this time, in all probability, we have gained some measure of relief from our more devastating handicaps. We enjoy moments in which there is something like real peace of mind. To those of us who have hitherto known only excitement, depression, or anxiety, in other words, to all of us, this newfound peace is priceless gift. Something new indeed has been added, where humility had formerly stood for a forced feeding on humble pie, 
it now begins to mean the nourishing ingredient which can give us serenity. And that's what I've been looking for all my life. You know, that's what I look or I seek through drugs and through alcohol or through sex, manipulation, power, everything. You know, I seek that serenity. You know, when it, when it says, uh, if you want it, you know, if you want what we have, that's what I was seeking for. The chief activator of our defects has been self-centered fear. Primarily fear that we would lose something we already possessed or would fail to get something we demanded. Living upon a basis of unsatisfied demands, we were in a state of continual disturbance and frustration. Therefore, no peace was to be had unless we could find a means of reducing these demands. The difference between a demand and a simple request is plain to anyone. The seventh step is where we make the change in our attitude to permit us, which permits us, with humility as our guide, to move out from ourselves toward others and towards God. The whole emphasis on step seven is on humility. It is really saying to us that we now ought to be willing to try humility in seeking the removal of our other shortcomings, just as we did when we admitted that we were powerless over alcohol and came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. If that degree of humility could enable us to find the grace by which such a deadly obsession could be banished, then there must be hope of the same result respecting any other problem that we could possibly have. And this is part of the promises. This is one more promise that I read on AA literature that I have seen uh, come to work on me, and I've seen it gone away, you know, go away, because uh, that's you know that's the way I am. As soon as things start working, for, start working for me, I stop working for them. I believe that I achieve things. I don't believe sometimes, you know, that I have to keep working for them. And it's been a getting better and feeling better by working all these steps and then stop doing what I had to be doing for a while until I stopped feeling that good and then going back to working those steps. I'm very glad to be here. I came back from three weeks vacation outside and out of the country and I haven't had a chance to go to meetings for three weeks and I was really withdrawing from all this and I needed to be here surrounded by you people. So thank you for this chance. And now with his story and his experience with the seventh step, I give you Gene M. You know, it really is always to me uh, almost an awesome thing to get to come. I'm not saying anything worth hearing. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it really is almost a, an awesome thing to get to be back with the people that know me best, you know, and to talk about things that are most significant in my life. And in the recovery process, the seventh step is, I think, the focal point that occurred in, in a struggle I've had with recovery. And this is the way it happened for me. I laid 
the groundwork for step seven, I think, by carefully following the instructions in the big book. I've done things like taking the third step on August the 8th, 1972, with another human being. I'd written an inventory of fear and anger and screwed up relationships. And I'd gone to somebody with this liturgy of sorrow. And before I did that, fifth step time, I, I went back to my little room and admitted these things to God. And then I admitted them to myself. And then I admitted them to another human being. And during this process, I became more and more aware of defects. And I full well knew that in the system of things, that something like an hour after the fifth step, we're supposed to get alone by ourselves and review these first five propositions and address ourselves to steps six and seven. But I was so full of humility after the fifth step that I had to get to a meeting to brag about what I'd done. So I didn't do that. And step six and seven became extremely difficult for me, and I worked hard at it. I took the fifth step in November 1972, and I worked from then until April of 73, really struggling with this sixth and seventh step. I even thought at one time about taking my inventory, which I'd saved, and, and, and going back and doing another fifth step so I'd get alone and be ready to take step six and seven, but, but my inventory didn't seem to mean much. So in April 1973, and this is about nine months after I first got sober, having nothing else to do, and after many times getting down on my knees and say, God, take away these defects, uh, I did that so much I had calluses and nothing happening and going to meetings on the seventh step and being told that it occurs in good time. I got out my dictionary and I looked up the word shortcoming. Maybe I didn't know what I needed to know because I had a list of defects, you see, things like anger and fear and gluttony and sloth and and lust. Well, that, that's not quite true. I had a desire to be lusty. Uh, I had a bad case of the lust bust that ain't gotten no better since I quit drinking. Didn't it? But I had these things that were excesses and that I wanted to be rid of. And I'd get out my knees to take them away, and, and, and they wouldn't go away. So I looked the word shortcoming up in the dictionary because I thought I might be confused and I didn't know the difference between a shortcoming and a defect. And uh, my dictionary said a shortcoming is a defect, so half my problem was solved. And uh, then I looked up the word defect. Now, please remember, and this is the way it was in my life. I had a list of what I thought were defects, and I had it written down. This I already did. Hate and fear and revenge and all these, these characteristics that represented me. But the dictionary said that a defect is something lacking that is necessary for completeness. That a defect is an imperfection, it's a void, it's a fault, it's something needed that's necessary for completion. And you know on my little list there wasn't anything there that was missing in me. These were what I was. And at that time, I seemed to come to understand what it meant to be spiritually bankrupt, you see. And I got out my inventory again, I went back over to see what was missing, what was lacking in me. What had I sacrificed to, to the disease, alcoholism, and drug addiction? What had been ripped from me? What was missing? What was deficient? 
And I was spiritually bankrupt. I didn't have these traits that separate humans from animals. And I had no spirit. And no matter how hard I wanted to, I couldn't love and I couldn't forgive and I couldn't care and I couldn't be empathetic. And this is a moment of great revelation to me. I had a 15-year-old daughter and a two-and-a-half-year-old son. And I knew when I was honest with myself that no matter how much pleasure and joy and nurture I got from that girl, I didn't love her. I was bankrupt. I couldn't forgive my wife for all the many things I thought she had done. I was bankrupt. I had no interest in other people. I was bankrupt. I came to know then that the things about me that bothered you were what I was. That the things about me that bothered me was what I wasn't. You see, and I was a patient. I was a patient. So sometime in April that year, and I got down on my knees after going through my inventory and thinking a bit, a new list of defects, a list of things missing that I was aware of. And I really did ask God to take away these shortcomings and those I don't know about. Please make me whole again. Let me be able to become let me be able to change, you see. And I believe that's when I could grow spiritually. I believe at that moment that I entered a spiritual kindergarten and I was made whole again. I was no different than before I'd made that plea, except that now I could. Now I could become. And now I could change. Recovery has been a reoccurring series of moments of awareness. Awareness. That moment of awareness when I realized that defects were what I wasn't. Saved my life, I think. Because in 1985, I drank again. Yeah. And I was saved from wondering what in the world was wrong with me. And I could look once again at what's missing, and it was quite obvious what was missing, and I got some people to look with me, and and I changed. I changed. I do believe that the seventh step is the beginning of spiritual growth within the confines of this beautiful discipline we call the 12 steps. You see? I can't change myself. I keep hearing people talking about changing themselves. But God can make us whole so that we can change. And I think that unless we become as little children, we cannot enter the kingdom of the Spirit that we find in rooms like this. Thank God for the seventh step. Thank God for its simplicity. Thank God for people like you who are not at all reluctant to remind me of my shortcomings, and I appreciate that. Thank God for the instructions within the, the 12 steps. The seventh step is the thing I hang on to with greatest intensity. And when I do, and I do this on a daily basis, I look back over the day to see if I was dishonest, afraid, self-centered, or angry. And when I find that I was, I can enjoy that new adventure of looking out to see what I can do next time. What's missing that can be added to me? What's missing? It's a beautiful, beautiful experience. It's a significant, significant part 
of the spiritual system. Thank God for all of them. Thank God for all of you. And thank God for the seven staff.